All right, let's open our Bibles tonight to the book of Exodus. That's not a book that we spend a lot of time with, but um, in our series of healing scriptures, there is a verse, actually, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> more than one verse, I'm sorry. I was doing just fine until I got up here. Um, but there's um, a passage that we want to begin to look at. And of course, what we're doing is we're going down this list of healing scriptures. This card is available out there on the, the uh, welcome desk, and you're welcome to get you one or several and uh, keep them, and you can memorize them. That'd be a good project for 2024. Just work on it. Uh, you can also download these from the uh, website if you want to put them on your device. I use these scriptures every day. These are part of my confession time and prayer time. I don't know how interested you might be in, in a pastor's prayer life or in your pastor's prayer life, but I can tell you more of my prayer life is, time is spent in confession than in uh, asking for things. There's really not a lot of requests that I ever make. Uh, most of my prayer time is to just simply get into agreement with God and say what he says. And it's amazing how well it works. God's always right. He knows everything. And his motivation is always our best uh, interest. He loves us like nobody else loves us. And so I found that if I agree with him and just rehearse his words. If I, if I recite my verses for the king. As one translation says of one of the uh, confessions of David. Then I've found that if I will do that. He brings his word to pass. And so in this list of healing scriptures, uh, we are down to the one at Exodus chapter 23. But what I'm going to do is what I've been doing. I'm going to read all the ones before, and then we'll start with the one that we're going to tackle tonight. We're just meditating these together. This is kind of not really a sermon per se, but just some teaching, some things we've gathered and gleaned and learned from, from these verses over the years. My son... and Attend to my words, incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes, keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health or medicine to all their flesh. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and griefs and carried our pains and sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes or bruises or his blood we are healed. And he healed all that were sick. I always like to add the other part in. To me that's important. And when the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself, took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. And I'd like to go ahead and add the other part. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. And then in our last lesson on, from these confessions, two weeks ago, uh, we looked at Exodus 15, 26, 
for I am the Lord that healeth thee. He is the Lord, our physician. He's the Lord, our doctor. He's the one who makes us well. Jehovah Rapha was one of his redemptive names. The Jehovah names in the Old Testament are all covenant connections. They are covenant names. Jehovah Shalom, for instance, the God of our peace. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah uh, Nisi, the Lord, our banner, our victor, our captain. Uh, Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. Those are powerful, powerful things to know because God revealed himself from time to time and place to place as people were ready to receive it and and he was willing that he would reveal, he would, he would show himself in these various areas. And what we f- find when we get to the New Testament is we have such a marvelous revelation of who God is that you can't really read your Bible and not know that he is a good and loving and powerful God of abundance and blessing like nobody else. And he is your father. Isn't that good news? So tonight... On the list, we come to Exodus chapter 23. And so I want to read the verses that are in this uh, list first, and then we're going to add some to for context here. Um, actually, I want to read verse 20, uh, 25 and 26. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, And I, this is God talking through Moses, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young or miscarry, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. What a powerful, powerful passage. Now, for the purpose of getting some uh, context here, I want to back up now to um, verse 22. Verse 22. No, I'm sorry. Yes, verse 22. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angel shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images." And then the next verse says, And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. Now I want to read that particular passage from the NIV. And I want to start with verse uh, 22 as well. And read it from the NIV. And listen, there's a little different wording. And um, I just want you to let these words soak in. You say, what, all, what does this have to do with healing? Well, it's very obvious from the, from the 25th verse and 26th verse. But sometimes we, we take these verses 
And it's not so much that we take them out of context on purpose. It's just that maybe we don't always take the time to figure out where this is set, what kind of a setting these verses are in. And this gives us a little bit of an idea. So I want to read from the NIV. It says, if you listen carefully to what he says and do all that I say, I will be an enemy to your enemies and will oppose those who oppose you. My angel will go ahead of you and bring you into the land of the Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hivites, and Jebusites, and I will wipe them out. Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. You must demolish them and break their sacred stones to pieces. Worship. Notice he doesn't use, the NIV doesn't use the word serve, but uses the word worship. It means both. It's really helpful when we, when we come to this verse in our confession time that we are aware when, when we declare before God, and you, sh- and you shall serve the Lord your God, it would be very appropriate to say, and I will serve and worship. Or I will worship and serve. You know, uh, it's an old-fashioned word, but we still use it. For instance, when we talk about coming together like we are tonight or like we will this coming Sunday morning, we talk about the church service. The service. I went to the service, or there were a lot of people in the service, or we had a great service today. That's appropriate because it has to do with worship and it has to do with serving. And we'll say a little bit more about that in a moment. Worship the Lord your God and his blessing will be on your food and water. Let me point this out right now. We're talking about healing. Um, no matter how good your food is, how pure your water is, how many supplements you take, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't prescribe you supplements. I take some supplements, but, you know, I'm like everybody else. I'm just guessing and, you know, hope they help or whatever. Some things seem to help more than others. But the point is, I need God's blessing on what I consume. Because what I consume is not enough to take me to my full lifespan. Have you ever thought about how many sick people there were who came to Jesus and they all ate the Mediterranean diet? (laughs) We have to be careful when it comes to divine healing. That we have the proper balance between taking care of our physical bodies, and we should because we're stewards over our physical bodies. But at the same time, we cannot take our focus and our faith off God and get it on vitamins, supplements, a certain diet, eating this or eating that or not eating this or not eating that. And there are some things that scientifically have been proven. There are things that we need. We understand that. There are certain dietary policies, you might call them, or decisions would be a better word, I guess, that we can make that will help us maybe lose weight or whatever. We understand that. But when it comes down to the bottom line, as we say, we need God to be well. We, we, people are taking more medicine today than ever in history. We spend more per year on medicine today than we have ever spent in the past 
It's amazing. Every, uh, almost every regular television network program you watch, they're always telling you to tell your doctor about so-and-so. Well, you know, he's the doctor. Why do I, I'm, he's supposed to be telling me stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm sure doctors really appreciate when some, you know, yahoo come, like me comes into him and says, I, I saw on TV that I'm supposed to tell you about this. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, I could really meddle, but there's no need to do that. You, you get the picture. You need God. We need God. You need a good doctor? Yeah, that's great. If you have to take stuff, take the best you can take. Eat the best food you can eat. Drink the cleanest water you can do. But understand from a verse like this, you need God's blessing on your food and on your water. Amen. And especially if you're eating out. (laughs) You better pray over that stuff. Amen. You don't know who fixed it. They're always in a back room somewhere. Out of sight, usually. He says, I will bless, uh, and I'm sorry, worship the Lord your God, and his blessing will be on your food and water. I will take disease from among you, and none will miscarry or be barren in your land. And I like this last phrase in the NIV. I will give you a full lifespan. I'll give you a full lifespan. So that means it's not the will of God if we're his servant. And if we're a worshiper of God, that's very important. If you are a worshiper of God and you're a servant of God, then it's not his will that you die young. It's not his will that you die prematurely. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about this verse and some things from it that we can be blessed by understanding. Notice, number one, the word service. In Exodus 14.31, I want to read that verse for you just because I want you to see the word servant. Just I I want you to see that. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians, and the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord, and so they, they had a godly reverence, And they had faith in the Lord and his servant, Moses. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 34. Over here, I'll read that for you as well. Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse number 5. As we're getting down toward the end of Moses' life here. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. There in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. Now, I'm taking the time to emphasize this because I want you to think with me a little bit. Moses was one of the greatest men who ever lived on the earth. You know, I'm not a Jewish person and I'm not an expert on Jewish uh, customs and and, uh, culture. But I think it goes uh, without contradiction to say that in the Jewish mind... They had more. They have still to this day more reverence for Moses than they have for Abraham. And I'm saying I'm not saying they don't reverence Abraham. They consider themselves, of course, the seed of Abraham, children of Abraham. But if you want to know who is the big person to the Jewish person who doesn't know Jesus, doesn't accept or believe in Jesus, their main person 
in all of history was Moses. Not Jacob, not Isaac, not Abraham, not Elijah, not Isaiah, but Moses. And I think it's interesting, God knowing the future better than we know the past, that he inspired as he had his book written, he inspired and wanted us to know in more than one place that Moses was a servant. If you want to do great things, I'm not talking about some ego trip, some prideful self-elevation and and uh, narcissistic outlook on life. But I mean, if you really want to, to do something that matters before you leave this planet, if you want God's blessing and you want to do what God wants you to do, you have to be willing to be a servant. A servant. It's, it's so powerful. And then we're all familiar with Joshua, who was with Moses for years and years, for decades, 40 years. And uh, it's interesting that in Numbers chapter 11, and I'll read that one for you as well. Numbers chapter 11 and verse 28. I hope it's all right to go this slow. I, I, want, I want us to let these things soak in. You know, it's, I encourage you to quote these scriptures every day, read them or quote them, however it works for you. If you can remember them, do it. If you have to read it, read it. It's fine. But I want you to know some of the background and some of the uh, depth of what you're, you're quoting when you do. Numbers chapter 11 and verse number 28 says, uh, And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God... I'm sorry, I'm looking at the wrong verse. Number 28, 28, not 29. I said 28, didn't I? As I said... Uh, <laughs> Uh, that's for those who might have been dozing. Verse 28, by the way. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of his young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. Now, what I want you to see in that verse is that Joshua is referred to as a servant of Moses. Then in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1, let me turn over there. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, or we could also say servant. So Joshua served the Lord all the years he was serving Moses. And then in Acts chapter 13 and verse 36, there's a statement that's made of David, and this is not an exhaustive study on, on what it means to be a servant or how to serve, but just a few key scriptures that I think will help us get our minds in the right direction. In Acts chapter 13 and verse number 36, it says, For David... After he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on sleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. That means his body decayed. Now, when we read a verse like Exodus 23, 25, and it says, Ye shall serve the Lord your God. We understand that means worship, but it also means serving in the kingdom. It means finding our place 
And whatever that place is, do it with excellence and do it with enthusiasm. Do it in love and do it by faith. And to do it under the anointing. And so when you get in that place, and I can't tell everybody here where that place is for you individually. That's something you have to seek God for and you have to find out and you have to know and then act on. But when you're in that place and you are a worshiper, then you're qualified for Exodus 23, 25, and 26. You see, a lot of people don't realize, uh, and maybe you've seen it as we've already begun because we've covered several passages, but this isn't something that just happens without our cooperation. Divine healing isn't something that's just a hit or miss thing, and all of it depends on what mood God is in today. How I many of you know God's always in a good mood? He never changes. There's not even a shadow of turning. Just like shadows can change as the sun moves across the sky, or shadows can change depending on where you stand in uh, uh, you know, reference to the light that's shining on you from what side or whatever. God's not that way. He never changes. He's going to be the same tomorrow that he was today. And he's the same today as he was a thousand years ago. There's no changing with God. And so, if we will serve the Lord our God, then he's going to bless what we eat and what we drink. And he will then take sickness away from the midst of us. Isn't that a great promise? God says, I'm going to take it away from you. I'm going to take sickness away from you. You see, you could meditate on this for the next seven days and go deeper and deeper and deeper and continue to renew your mind on that concept. And that's going to make sickness and disease something that you don't have any more fear of. That's going to make sickness and disease something that you realize is a very small thing to God, not a big thing at all. What began maybe with fear, what began with a bad prognosis, what began with all kinds of, of, uh, of uh, ret- you know, uh, and all kinds of fear and, and all of that stuff, all of that gets put in a very small place in the, in the presence of God. The devil gets smaller, the problem gets smaller, and the God we serve gets bigger. That's one of the things that meditation does. It causes God to be enlarged in our life. Now, we know God doesn't intrinsically get bigger. He's all that he is all the time and always will be. But the point is, he gets bigger to us. We allow him more space in our thinking. We, we're not planning on failing. We're not planning on being sick. We're not planning on an early premature death. We're not planning on the miseries that the devil is trying to tell us that we are going to have to have. Our plans are different because in the presence of God, we see this from his perspective. And he says, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. And nothing will miscarry. Nobody's going to miscarry. In other words, you will be able to have your children and nobody's going to be barren And the number of thy days I will fulfill. Well, we know that the psalmist talks about three score and ten. That's kind of like the minimum. The minimum. And then in in the the, the, uh, 90th Psalm, he talks about, uh, I'm sorry, uh, is it the 92nd Psalm? He talks about uh, four score. I might be getting my numbers wrong on the, on the psalm, the, the chapters. But the point is, by reason of strength, four score. So one time uh, when Wigglesworth passed 70, 
because he'd always quoted and used that verse so much, you know, three score and ten. When he got past three score and ten, people started, you know, ribbing him a little bit about it. He said, well, you're living in, uh, you know, that psalm. I've moved on over to the one about the four score. And, of course, he lived on to be 87. Uh, and one of the things also that's interesting about Wigglesworth is, is his confession for many, many years was that no surgeon's knife, no knife will ever touch my body. And um, he had some physical battles, but he never had any surgeries or anything. And in that particular day, in 1947, because that's the year he died, at age 87, because he didn't die in a hospital and he didn't die under doctor's cares, he passed away actually in the vestry uh, of an Anglican church. He was there to attend a funeral, and he just slumped over and he was gone. And so by law, there should have been an autopsy. And people don't quite understand how that, that never took place. No knife ever touched his body. So this thing of faith in the Word of God, this thing of confession, this thing of standing on the Word, it works. And oh, I, I, you know, as a pastor, as, as a brother in the Lord, I just wish people would get hold of this. You know, I see people kind of going their own way. Church to them is formality for a lot of people. For others, it's just, it's something we do, but, you know, it's not going to take long. Let's get it over with. We've got other things to do. And it's, it's, you know, people are so busy. They're not spending time like they need to. So many people are not spending time like they need to in the Word of God, fellowshipping with God, praying, and allowing these kinds of scriptures to become real. Just this few things, you know, these few verses and and uh, references we pointed out here tonight. It makes Exodus 23, 25, and 26 set in a, it sets it in a different context for us when we look at where this is, this is all coming from. And God wants you to fulfill the number of your days. That's why you don't hear me talking about God took so-and-so. Because I'm not planning on being taken. I'm planning on being received when I'm finished. And God and I will make that determination. And it's not anytime soon, by the way. But when I'm ready, he certainly will receive me just as he would you as well. Amen. Praise the Lord. So let's move on now to another verse tonight. We're running a little bit close and we've got a little time here. So let's look at Second Chronicles chapter number 16 and verse 9. That's the next on our list of healing scriptures that we're encouraging you to quote and memorize and, and use. But Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse number 9. Now, uh, in this particular passage, uh, the Lord is dealing with uh, Hezekiah, the king. And uh, actually, Hezekiah had messed up. He, you know, he'd done some stuff that uh, shouldn't have happened. And so I'm, that's the context. I want you to understand that. But in the midst of all of that, verse 9, here's what the word of the Lord that came. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And then he goes on to say, thou hast done foolishly and so forth. You're going to have wars uh, but I want you to see that first part because that's the principle that we're looking for. We want to acknowledge that God's looking for people to bless. Have you ever thought about why does he have to look? 
Evidently, there's not as many people qualifying as, and positioned for it as you might think. You say, well, God blesses everybody. Well, to some degree, yes. The sun rises on the just and the unjust. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. There are certain blessings that everybody on the planet gets to some degree. But if you want supernatural power to work in your life, if you want the healing power of Jesus to come into your body and take away sickness and disease from you, and you want God to help you to fulfill the number of your days, then you're going to have to get a little more than just the general blessing. You're going to have to move into the realm of the specific. <coughs> and, this, <coughs> and this says that the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. What? What for? To show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Or fully committed to him. That's what the NIV says. And also that's what... Um, the God's Word translation says, the New Living Translation uses that uh, phrase, fully committed. That's what it means here, whose heart is perfect. That's the old King James. That doesn't mean that's, that he's looking for people who've never made a mistake. Because then he couldn't bless anybody. But he's looking for people whose heart is fully committed to him. Fully committed. Now, we come back to what we started with. Wouldn't, if somebody fully committed to God, wouldn't they be serving Him? Somebody fully committed to God, wouldn't they be worshiping Him? Somebody that's fully committed to God, would, would they be neglecting the house of the Lord when the Bible says not to neglect the assembling or not forsake the assembling of yourselves together? When, when you realize that the church, the body of Christ, is, is what Jesus died for? And he is the head of the church and he's ordained these various ministries within the church to edify and build up the church. And he has established the fact that we should be apart and we should meet and come together even more so as the day of the Lord is approaching. And so therefore, uh, how could we say that we're fully committed? How could we say our heart is perfect? How could we say that we're a great worshiper of God and we're truly serving God if we don't even care about his program in the earth, which is the church preaching the gospel into all the world. Can we be fully committed to God and we don't give? Can we be fully committed to God and we don't serve? Can we be fully committed to God and we don't pray? Can we be fully committed to God and we don't care about the Great Commission? The last thing Jesus said before he left the earth was to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. And, and, and if, you know, if you're not involved with that, then you're not doing the Great Commission. And so what happens to people is they get busy, they get sidetracked, they get derailed, and they get so caught up with their own thing and their own life, and even sometimes just, just being lazy or whatever, and they're not involved with what God's doing. And then, of course, the devil sees that as his opportunity to come in and do something. And when he does, many of those people, if they're connected somewhat with the church and know something about the power of God, then they, then they really get serious about the things of God. And I'm not saying they shouldn't because they absolutely should. It's, it's time to get serious. But don't wait until you're looking death in the face. Don't wait until the doctor says, I can't help you. Don't wait until... It's incurable by medical science terms. Don't wait 
until the best years of your life are gone and you've abused yourself and you've neglected spiritual things and then try to fight and claw your way back to health. I'm not saying you can't get there, but it's going to be a battle. Always, always feed your faith in the areas. Uh, feed your spirit man in the areas of faith and healing. Always. It's good to know all kinds of good things. And it's good to pursue other things in life. God, God calls people to do many different things. Everybody's not a preacher. Everybody's not going to spend the same amount of time in their Bible maybe that a preacher does. But everybody needs to be in the Word. And everybody needs to be feeding their faith. And everybody needs to keep their heart free of unforgiveness and bitterness and all the hindrances to our faith. And we need to walk in the Spirit and stay full of the Spirit. And one thing that will happen when you do that is you will, you will stop things before they get a foothold. At the first evidence of pain or sickness, at the first uh, manifestation that you know something isn't right, something's wrong, you need to open your mouth and start declaring these kinds of truths. You need to tell the devil that you know where his place is, which is under your feet. And you need to let the devil know you know where your place is, which is seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You need to fight the good fight of faith. Don't wait until things are out of control. Take hold of them with your faith before they get to that place and run the devil out of your house. Remind him who he is and where he is. Remind him who you are and where you are and you know who you are and where you are. And when you do that, you'll realize you are above him. He cannot dominate you. You are a son or a daughter of the Most High God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thought we might get to Psalm 91, verses 10 and 16, but we don't have time for that. There's too many good things in that to start. And um, you've got to go home and eat a bologna sandwich or something. And uh, so I don't want to shortchange that particular one. And so that's where we're going to start next time, Psalm chapter 91. And by the way, we, uh, because of Christmas being on Monday, we are not canceling any of our Wednesdays or Sunday services uh, through any of the holidays coming up. New Year's Eve's on a Sunday. And uh, so we're, we're clear to go. We won't have prayer school the day after Christmas. And the offices will be closed, but we will. Everything else is regular, just on the regular schedule. So we hope you'll be here for everything. Amen? Praise the Lord. Do you have anything else? I hope you've been blessed by this. I need to hear this myself. Amen. Thank you, Father. We bless you tonight, Lord. Thank you for your holy written word. Thank you for giving us the seed of the word that produces faith in us. Lord, you always respond to our faith. Even natural things respond to our faith. And then we're so thankful that you have given us the spiritual material to build our faith. So when you require it of us, you're not unjust because you give us what it takes to have it. We walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I, I sense the presence of the Lord in this place tonight. I have in this meeting. We're, we're, 
on the verge of stepping into some great, great times, some wonderful things that the Lord is doing in our midst. Can I just, I know I've given you a lot of admonition tonight. Please receive it as I, as my heart is to give it to you. I just love you and want you to do the best you can. I want you to be the best you can. I want you to have the best. So I'm not jumping on to you, but I just want to tell you it would be so good in the next few weeks. We have five Sundays left in this year. That would be so good if you'd spend some extra time seeking the Lord, doing some of that next level praying we talked about Sunday before last, getting into the presence of the Lord, finding where you really belong, you know, what God is saying for you to do and where you're supposed to be. I'm not saying you're not already there. I'm just saying you want to you want to make sure all those I's are dotted and T's are crossed. You want to you want to move into 2024 in a time of visitation, ready for all that God is wanting to do. So, Father, we ask you to stir us, convict us, help us, and as we approach you and as we draw near unto you, I thank you that you're going to speak to us. You spoke to us by prophecy that you're going to, that people are going to hear you in ways they've never heard you before. And that there will be dreams and visions that will be had. Lord, we wouldn't attempt to tell you how to do your business. But since you've already told us about those things, we just want to say that we as a church, we're available. You don't have to use me in any particular way. I wouldn't dictate to you, sir, how you would manifest to me. But I just want you to know I'm available. We as a church, we're available. We're believing that 2024 will be a year of supernatural Holy Ghost visitation. Hallelujah. (laughs) 